This is your host, Michelle, and you're listening to Old TV with a New Twist. Let's see what classic television show we're watching and talking about this week. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 31 of Old TV with a New Twist. Today is a big day. We're going to be recapping the Andy Griffith Show, which was requested by our listener, Mike Kenny. And today, my co-host is back for his second time, Mr. Brett Toops. Brett Toops, are you happier to be here than you were last time or less or what? I wasn't here last time. It was remote. I was very comfortable at my house. So we'll see when this is over. (laughs) That's all you got to say? Happy to be here. (laughs) And I got to say his lovely wife is in here with us. Say hello, Donnell. Let's see. Hi. There she is. She's here to keep him in check, people. So as I said, we're going to talk about the Andy Griffith show. And although our listener, Mike, did request this show, I knew if I ever wanted to get Brett back on this podcast, I was going to have to produce a show that he really wanted to talk about. And this is one of the very few I figured I could lure him back here with. One of about four or five. But I'm going to tell you a little bit about this show. It ran for eight seasons, 1960 to 1968. So when it started, I was not even born yet. Brett, you were what, in the military? (laughs) Just just getting out of the army? What? Where were we? Two. <laughs> you were two in 1960. Okay. And 249 wonderful episodes. And the premise of the show is this. Widower Sheriff Andy Taylor and his son Opie live with Andy's Aunt Bee in the idyllic town of Mayberry, North Carolina. With virtually no crimes to solve, most of Andy's time is spent calming down the antics of his incompetent deputy Barney Fife. Would you say that kind of sums up the series? Pretty well. Let's just talk a little bit overall about the show. Brett, do you think the town of Mayberry ever did really exist? Yeah, they say it was very much based on the town where um, Andy Griffith grew up, which was Mount Airy, North Carolina. And do you think it was really like Mayberry? Um, Could any place be that perfect is what I'm saying. There's still some slow-moving places in the country and stuff where... um, there's the day doesn't go by too fast and it's pretty relaxed. So I I can imagine it. Yeah. Okay. Would you want to live in a place like Mayberry? Uh, Not full time. They don't have a golf course. No, they don't. (laughs) (laughs) You love this show. So why? Tell us why. I think they've got some really good characters that are, that are funny. It's uh, it's easy to watch pretty wholesome comedy. Not a lot of the junk that you see today. It's just a just um, 
easy and funny. We just heard the theme song, which every episode I say, the theme song is iconic to this TV show. Would you say this one's iconic? Oh, yeah. You can, I would think it's pretty recognizable. Because they whistle the whole thing for one thing. And do you know the story about, I read a book, you probably read it. It's about Andy and Don Knotts. But they said the story about when uh, Ron Howard couldn't throw the pebble into the lake. Did you ever hear that story? Yeah. So yeah. somebody else he, had to throw too it. small. Somebody else had to throw it. Yeah, which is pretty cool. And they've obviously done a, a few uh, lead-ins like that because if you watch close enough on some of them, you'll see the rock skip and make the splash in the lake, and other times you won't. So let's get into this episode. We watched season four, episode 16, called Barney's Sidecar, and it premiered on January 27th, 1964. It starts with our MacGuffin. <laughs> he just made the funniest face at me. Our MacGuffin is a Mrs. Biggs, Beggs? Oh, oh, the lady in front, yeah. A MacGuffin is an object, person, or a device in a movie, TV show, or book that serves merely as a trigger for the plot. Oh, okay. So that's her. She that's just her. comes in to complain about almost being run off the road on highway six because apparently that's a wild freeway 35 mile an hour speed limit <laughs> yes and she almost got run off so tell us all about this brett what happens from there so she comes in and um just rambles on and on she can't offer any pertinent um information as to what kind of vehicle it was, which way they were headed, who no. was driving it, anything like that. It was pertinent. She said the it was a woman wearing a green hat uh, with baby pink roses. Exactly. <laughs> They're going to get that purple. Exactly. <laughs> so Andy, being the good sheriff and a good person he is, listens to all of this, knowing that he's not getting any information that's useful for him and tells her there's a there's an ordinance against that and uh, and they'll take care of it. That's as far as it would have gone with him. Until mm -hmm. then, uh, Deputy Barney Fife comes in, who is um, zealous and um, wants to uh, <laughs> do a good job and do it all by the book. He insisted that they need to get uh, a patrol out there and set up a checkpoint. A checkpoint chicky. Checkpoint chicky. <laughs> I've never heard that term. Was that I, a term? No, he I made didn't, that he, up. Okay. He made that up and used the phrase that he's used in many episodes, says we need to nip it in the bud. And, and of course, Andy tried to play it down and said uh, Barney wanted to take the squad car to go out there and and nip it in the bud. And Andy said, we only got one squad car and we can't spare it and this and that. So then Barney went into his usual <laughs> rant about how they're a podunk um, <laughs> sheriff's office and they need so much. They, they need um, rolling stock, as he called it, and uh, machine guns, tear gas, radios, <laughs> everything you can imagine with all the crime he said they had. When did Barney think he was living? <laughs> he thought he was living in the big city of Raleigh. Yeah. <laughs> so Barney goes to the um, World War One. I, I think it was a surplus auction at the National Guard Armory or something like that, and comes back with a motorcycle and sidecar, which they called the sickle throughout <laughs> the rest of the episode. So he came in with the goggles, the helmet, the gloves, and the leather jacket. He looked jacket utterly and ridiculous. Oh, wait. The helmet is anti-crash. The goggles are anti-foreign objects in your eyes. That is gravel and or bugs. 
convinced Andy to let him patrol Highway 6 via the motorcycle. Sickle. He's going to take care of this. He's going to nip it in the bud. Yeah. And, of course, he that morphed into um, <laughs> him terrorizing the town with no, no, riding he, around. And wait a minute. He promised Andy that he wasn't going to take it too far. He always does. <laughs> he would write a lot of tickets. Kept his ticket book under his hat. And he got Aunt B for jaywalking he ran, with her groceries. He ran her over and <laughs> knocked all the groceries out of her her arms. Mm-hmm. So he not only uh, patrolled Highway 6, but he um, terrorized the town with policing. Which brought most of the, uh, a lot of people from Mayberry into Andy's office all complaining about Barney. That's you got to do something about Barney, which pretty much happens in every episode, right? Yeah. Everybody's complaining about Barney. So how does Andy decide he's going to handle Barney, which he does in every episode. He has to come up with a plan to handle Barney, but do it delicately. All right. So what does he do? So uh, one interesting point is Aunt B was the only one to offer a suggestion. She, she referred back to some uh, war movies she watched where they would string a wire across between two trees and uh, to... Uh, Stop the Germans on the uh, on the motorcycles, basically decapitating. <laughs> <laughs> so that was the only suggestion uh, she got. Much like a, a lot of the episodes, Andy will come across the solution in an odd way. In this one, Opie had a wood burning kit, so that sparked an idea where yeah. they they burned they got a piece of wood and they burned a like like a plaque where it said that. They, this sickle was the first one to um, cross, I think, the Marne River in uh, World War One, and General Blackjack Pershing was was in it, and um, so he hid he hid that um, that plaque under the uh, seat in the sidecar, and when Barney came apart it, and he used the excuse this this belongs to everybody, and ultimately got him to send it to the museum or some, somewhere. Retire it from police duty. Barney suggested it go in that Smith Brothers Institute in Washington <laughs> for the Smithsonian. It was the Smith that Smith Brothers Institute. <laughs> That's where the episode ends. This is your basic episode in the early years. It was all about Barney and his, I don't know, would you call it incompetence or maybe just overzealousness, if that's a word? Both. And Andy always letting him down easy. Mm, right. At the end, because, and you were even saying there wasn't a lot of the townspeople in this one, so to speak, but I really think in the beginning, it more focused on Andy and Barney and Opie and Aunt B. Right. Well, you had some townspeople in there, but it wasn't any of the real regular characters. It was, it was some of the background characters and the more nondescript characters, the um, right uh, Floyd the Barber or, or Gomer, or um, they weren't in there. And so it was a little limited on, on the cast in this one. Um, okay, well, let's just talk about the characters a little bit. Go ahead, say what you want to say about Aunt B, because I know it's coming. Oftentimes, not only in this show, but in other shows, and go to Wikipedia or whatever and look up characters. I'm just often interested in how old they were actually at the time. And one thing I noticed is that in the in the early years of the show, um, Aunt B was uh, pretty close in age to you and my wife are now. So, uh, so that's an interesting little juxtaposition so that's I, not I, interesting so that... i think of i think of both of y'all um a lot more now when i see aunt b no 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 <laughs> that's no no because this 
podcast is called Old TV with a New Twist. We're going to talk about old TV in general. Men and women alike, when you look at these shows, I don't know if it's the hairstyles or the clothing styles, but women who are 40 look like they're 60. Men that are 30 look like they're 50. They always look older than they are. And B, to me, looks like she's 75 years old. She really does. And when I looked it up, Aunt B was younger than I am now. <laughs> and it blew my mind. And I'll go along with Aunt B looking like she was 75 <laughs> years old. Which is many, many, many years older than I am. But I could not believe Aunt mm. B was younger than me. And my co-host has not let me forget it since he first discovered it a few weeks ago. So I knew it was coming. So I said, let me just take my medicine and get it over with. <laughs> I always ask for a favorite character, and I know it's hard right now. He, like, y'all, y'all can't see this, but he came prepared. He actually came with what's that called? The, the Andy Griffith Show book. He's got a whole book on the subject. He's got notes. I'm guessing your favorite's Barney. My favorite main character and character because of uh, longevity, although he only did I think five seasons, was certainly Barney. But my favorite character in the entire show is Ernest T. Bass. We're going to talk about it a little bit later, but Ernest T. had a very big role in the Return to Mayberry reunion movie. Do you remember that? I remember it, but oh, okay. uh, I have to be honest. After um, after Barney, after uh, Don Knotts left, I wasn't as big a, a viewer as I was before. Well, I don't know how many of our listeners, if they're watchers of this show, but when we put it on, it come, every evening it's on TV land. And if we turn it on and it's the color episodes, my husband's like, oh, these aren't the good ones because the color ones is kind of when it changed, when Barney was gone. And it turned more of a town-oriented show than just being centered in the sheriff's office and with Andy and his family. So I'm going to ask you to rate the humor of this show on a scale of 1 to 10, holding it up against other shows of that time. Probably put it at a 9. Ooh, that's high. Wow. Okay. And, and that's... Um... I'll put it at a 6. You have a problem with a six? Yeah, don't call me over here for anything. You're going to rate a six. <laughs> okay. I love this show. I do. I love all these old shows. But I can't. I watch so many shows now with this podcast that some of them I sit there and I laugh out loud. I didn't really laugh at this show. I, I never really. Nothing was really like a laugh out loud moment for me. I thought consistently through, I got a good feeling. I thought it was entertaining. Obviously, Barney had his comic moments and his antics are, are comic. But, and that that isn't bad. It Because I'd rather take a nice, consistent, feel-good show that's going to make me chuckle than a show that's going to make me laugh out loud and not be consistent in that. What are you comparing against? Uh, I'm comparing it to other shows, and there is not many of that era that made me laugh more well here's the thing i laughed more at the honeymooners i laughed more at i love lucy i'm trying to think of other shows of that that time the honeymooners would be the only one for me not that it was it, uh, this show was bad in any way but i just it mm -hmm. wasn't that laugh out loud kind no. of humor to me not that that's a bad thing it's not i'm not gonna, <laughs> i know you love this show so I'm i don't want to i'm not going to get up and walk out you don't have to keep <laughs> apologizing about that your feelings i know you love this show i don't know for some reason i just don't look at that show and think oh man that's the funniest show okay fair, i don't think it's a funny show fair enough let's move on <laughs> you want to tell everybody how old i am again 
<laughs> okay. I, I mean, we were just outside, and y'all were um, y'all were both talking about how much y'all love women of every city in the uh, country and all that. So if y'all are in love with those kind of shows, I can take with a grain of salt what you say about this. <laughs> He's talking about the Real Housewives, everybody. Is there anything else about this particular episode you want to say before we just go into talking about trivia about the show in general? Not really. As I said, it's an episode that left out um, quite a few of the other characters. So right. probably just a limited limited storyline. You picked me. it. I'm just saying. <laughs> you picked me. <laughs> we all. So we both have bad we taste. We all have our crosses to bear. <laughs> all right. So I know you read up on a lot of trivia. So maybe things I tell you aren't going to surprise you. But Andy Griffith and Francis Babe. Bavier, 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 Ampy did not get along in That's real life, correct. and you knew that. Yep. <laughs> See, I can't, I can't stump him with anything. Mm. They did not get along. It seemed like, and tell me in your reading of this, that she might have been a little difficult on the set, like hard to get along with. Or uh, yeah, and I think she had some, um, but I think she was um, was a trained actor, a little more by the book. The rest of them were a little more along the lines, like the plot of the show. You know, they were right. a little bit more, more seat of the pants. I think right. that, that aggravated her. Okay, what I have here is that during the series, she was extremely sensitive and resented her role of Aunt B. Yeah. She wanted to be doing right. Shakespeare, apparently. Yeah, yeah. Now, it says Andy Griffith and Ron Howard paid her a visit at her home in North Carolina in 1972, but she turned them away and wouldn't see them. And then in 1989, when she was terminally ill, she contacted Andy Griffith to say that she regretted that they didn't get along better. Right. Which is kind of sad. But it, it just goes to show how great of actors they were, because you would never be able to tell. Like, she seemed very maternal with Andy and Opie. I mean, we don't know how she mm -hmm. was with the little boy. Here's some, like, gossip. <laughs> is that Andy was married at the time, but he was having an affair with the lady playing Helen Crump. Right. You see, he knew that. I can't stump him with any trivia. People, I, I do have some remnants of another life. This isn't all what I do. but I just <laughs> You've always just known a lot about this. I've known you for 30-something years. And you've always quoted this show and talked mm -hmm. about this show. So it's it's been a long time. It's a it's a vast knowledge he has. The spinoffs. There were two spinoffs. What were they? Come on. There was Mayberry RFD. Mm -hmm. I don't recall what the other one was. Go well, to Paul. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. That, that's an <laughs> obvious there. Go to Yeah. Paul. Let me guess. Go to Paul. You kind of liked Mayberry RFD. You refused to look at. I didn't look at I'm it. I'm just yeah. guessing. That's correct. <laughs> okay. And then, you know, this, the Andy Griffith show was a spinoff of another show? No, didn't. <gasps> I got him. Which one? There was another show on. 1960 and it was a very popular star who had his own show a sitcom and he was driving to get back home and he was going through this little old podunk town and he gets stopped by a, a country sheriff and that's the first time we meet him and it's the episode of the danny thomas show you know i was gonna make a wild guess make and room say for Dan danny, danny daddy whatever danny, his name was did you did you know that don't know that it was a spinoff of the danny thomas show you got me i got you okay the calendar in Floyd's barbershop is always turned to February. Did you know that? Nope. <laughs> I always save the most important trivia for last. Nope. Didn't know Just that. Just like on Cheers, there's not an episode where Sam isn't slicing lemons. That's true. 
This show was voted number nine on the TV Guide 50 Greatest Shows of All Time. Number one was Seinfeld. That's probably about five of them. Number two was I Love Lucy. Three was The Honeymooners. Four was All in the Family. Five was The Sopranos. Six was 60 Minutes. Seven was The Late Show with David Letterman. Eight was The Simpsons. Nine was The Andy Griffith Show. And 10 was Saturday Night Live. Wow. So what trivia or other uh, uh, things about this show do you want to say? Um, I know you have extensively you, researched. Uh, Andy Griffith and Don Knotts were friends for life. I mean, they were um, up until, I guess, Don Knotts died first. But um, yeah. it's just a very simple show, really. Yeah. I'm different. I know that. Right. But there's just nothing worth watching nowadays to me. Uh, I don't think you're different. You might be different than a 25-year-old, but for other people of your advancing years, I think you're just like mm. all the rest of them. You know, an interesting fact too, is uh, all of that you mentioned, uh, they were still uh, number one when their last year, when, when they went off the air. Yeah. They're still number one show. Only one of four shows to do that. Wait. Yeah. It was only one of three shows that was number one when it went off the air. You want to know what the mm -hmm. other two are? Do you know? The only ones that went out as number one were The Andy Griffith Show, I Love Lucy, and Seinfeld. Oh, wow. There's one more thing I want to talk about. We did touch on it previously, is the um, Return to Mayberry movie that came out in 86, I think I it was. But, but this is what I want to ask, is because you were such a big fan of the show and it was highly promoted, there was a lot of, you know, advertisements on TV about it, Andy was in it. And Barney, Barney was in it, and Otis, all the characters were in it. You were not at all tempted to tune in and see. I may have watched it once. What uh, was going on? I may have watched it. But, but this was in your top five shows, so I just thought you'd maybe be a little more excited about it. I, Although it's hard to tell when you're I, excited about anything. <laughs> I probably saw it and only saw it once. Okay. So you have nothing to say. You, you didn't assign me who Return had, to Mayberry. Who you had, assigned me the Andy Griffith show. <laughs> Okay, but I told you we were going to discuss the show in general, too. The Andy Griffith show. Okay. I apologize. <laughs> I won't tax you <laughs> any longer. Have you anything else to say besides that your behind hurts, which you've been whining about the whole time? The accommodation. He says the chairs are uncomfortable. The accommodations are spartan for your guests. <laughs> uh, where uh, people can't see. Um, the the two Aunt Bees are sitting here in um, padded um, Victorian Queen Anne chairs, and I'm on a steel folding chair that's probably surplus from the bingo at the VFW Hall. And this has been a half an hour sitting here, and I'm squirming, and uh, they don't seem to care. A gentleman would give ladies like a more comfortable chair and not whine about this it. This gentleman didn't have a choice. <laughs> you get on a bus and there's a bunch of old ladies do you let them sit down and you stand up sure i'd be more comfortable doing this standing but your uh <laughs> your microphone don't reach that up. okay then <laughs> if i promise to get you a more comfortable no. chair but <laughs> well brett thank you so much for coming it has been fun since we mentioned seinfeld a lot we're just gonna say goodbye say goodbye brett goodbye bye This is Michelle, and thank you for joining us for this episode of Old TV with a New Twist. 
If you like this podcast, please subscribe to us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, or on your Apple Podcast app. And join our Facebook group, Old TV with the New Twist Podcast Group. And tell us what you'd like to hear us talk about, and we'll keep you informed of what's to come. We'll be back next month with a whole new episode of Old TV with a New Twist. Thank you.